0: Praise the Lord! We'll come and stand here for a little bit. So I want to get a, I want to get a picture with you. Look at the photographer. Look. So it's so wonderful for us to be here. Um, I'm so glad that my wife was came with me on this trip because usually she'd be stay home and preach while I'm gone. But our son is preaching today at, at our church, and I'm just so glad she's here. We just last October we celebrated 40 years of. Of marriage. And uh, Pastor, excuse me, Apostle Theo married us. We were 18 years old. Gosh, when I look back on those pictures. But the Lord has been good to us beyond what we uh, would have ever imagined. So I just want you to greet everybody.
1: I won't take a moment, but uh, good morning, everybody. How wonderful to see you. And um, I always like to just give honor to Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev uh, from the depths of my heart. Because every single day when I pray, I thank God, first of all, for my salvation. And then second of all, for the foundation that He led me into Christian Family Church to receive. Because that foundation was, you know, it's not just, well, okay, I've heard that. This has been... Truths of the Word of God that have held us through still holding us. That's right. We're still living by the same truths. And I can't tell you the amount of times they've laid hands on us, um, that God's ministered to us through the Word of Knowledge. Uh, We've been healed. Uh, We've been counseled. They've shown grace to us. I can't tell you um, how grateful I am for that. You don't get that everywhere you go. And you need it. You know, we're in the ministry ourselves, but we need ministry. And um, so this foundation is, I'm very, very thankful from the depths of my heart. Through eternity, I'll be thankful. And, um, you know, as a result, they, they prayed and dedicated our four kids. And um, 4 uh, three of them are pastors in other uh, California and Miami. And um, our grandkids, most of them doing real good. A couple of them need a little prayer. We we were we were in Miami, and our grandson, who has a pastor for a father and a grandfather who's a pastor, we had to go and talk to the talk to him. Well, he's potty mouth, but <laughs> he he needs to be saved. He's six years <laughs> old, <laughs> and when we said to him, "You know, you're a leader, Roman. You are a leader. You need to lead these children, not not fall for their tricks." And he's like. You do realize I'm a servant leader, don't you? He's like, I get to church early. I'm serving the Lord. I said, just keep doing it. Just keep that mouth clean. You know, so, right. <laughs> we, we're working on it. We're all a work in progress. Amen. But I'm thankful to you and thank you for your prayers. And you are very, very blessed yeah, yes. to be receiving the word that yes, you do. Yes, Amen.
0: Yes. yes, yes. Praise God. Now, I, I, you're so blessed to have... Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev leading this church, truly. And the team that they've assembled, the, 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 their staff, the dream team, this is, you, you really are blessed. This, these are generals in the kingdom of God. And uh, we're just so thankful. It's been 42 years and Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev are still our pastors. And I'm so thankful for that. There, there's no one on the earth that I respect more than this couple, nobody, so uh, praise God, are you ready, come on let's pray, Father we just thank you for your goodness, we thank you for your mercy, we thank you for Jesus, we thank you Jesus for redeeming us, we thank you Jesus for blessing us, We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Holy Spirit, I am trusting you. I thank you that you speak to every heart today, that you cause your word to be planted deep in our heart, Lord, and that we will not just be hearers of your word, but we will be doers of what you've said. And Lord, we give you all the praise for everything said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I'm so glad you're here today. I want to speak to you this morning from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, and the title of what I uh, I want to speak about is called, Don't Drift. Tell your neighbor, "Don't don't drift. In Hebrews 2, verse 1, it says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to the things, to what we have heard, lest we drift from it. And the Passion Bible says, so that we do not drift off course. Now, I know the theme for Christian Family Church San Antonio this year is advance. And to advance means to move forward. And to drift means to deviate from a set course. Do you know, God has a plan, a destiny for your life. He has a race for us to run. He doesn't want us to deviate from the course that He laid out. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, the Bible tells us, Let us strip off and throw aside every unnecessary weight and the sin that so readily clings to us. And, and, and it says, And let us run with patient endurance and steady persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. God has a, a race he has a set course for your life, and many people, many Christians have drifted away from God's course, or they are in the process of drifting away from God's plan and purpose for their life. Some, some, some believers have drifted away from the things they've heard, from the Word of God. Do you know that during COVID, that one in three practicing Christians stopped attending church, and many of them have not returned. In the United States, in 1990, just 33 years ago, um, 85% of Americans identified as Christians. And then in 2015, 75% of Americans identified as Christians, and then just five years later, in 2020, it went down to 65% of Americans that identify as Christians. Now, you've got to understand, that's a drop of 66 million people. Wow. The population of America is 333 million. 66 million people, that, that, that's, that's, a, that's huge. In 1999, church membership was 70% of Americans Belong to a church. Church membership has fallen to forty-seven percent, and only seventeen percent of Americans attend church every week. There let me tell you, there are more people that need that we need to reach than ever before. America is now a major mission field in the world. In one Timothy four verse one, the Apostle Paul wrote, He said, The Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed that at the end of this age, many will depart from the true faith one after another, devoting themselves to spirits of deception following demon-inspired revelations and theories. At the end of the age, many will depart. And then again, in Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus said, There will be such an increase of the sin of lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. In 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 1, it says, Now brethren, concerning the coming of our, uh, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask, That you not be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the Amplified Bible gives a little more clarity. It says the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians. There's going to be many people who profess to be Christian at one time that fall away, many, one after another, before Jesus returns. Isn't that what it says? So Let me tell you, I want to see you in heaven. And I want to see you fulfill God's plan and purpose and destiny for your life. That's why Hebrews 2 verse 1 says, Therefore, We must pay much closer attention to what we've heard. Now say, this is talking to me. This is talking to, I take this for me. I must pay attention to what I've heard so that I don't drift away. Because it can happen to anybody. When you read the word therefore, it's always good to stop and think about what it's there for. Because you've got to go back to what was said before. In the previous chapter in Hebrews uh, 1, it talks about how great Jesus is. He's greater than any prophet. He's greater than any angel. To which of the angels did he ever say, you're my son? It talks about how wonderful and amazing Jesus is in our salvation. But at this time, many people were leaving Christianity and they were going back to Judaism. Because let me tell you, at this time, it cost you something to be a Christian. There was a price to pay to be a Christian. They suffered real persecution. I'm not talking about someone talking bad about you on Facebook. I'm being persecuted, Pastor Steve. I'm talking about whipped, beaten, thrown in jail, and killed. That's what they faced. So in Hebrews, people were leaving the church. And in the last couple of years, we've seen people leaving the church. It's nothing new. In fact, in 1 John 2 verse 19, it says these people left our churches, but they they never really belonged with us, otherwise they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they didn't belong with us. Let me tell you, it's hard. One of the hardest things for me as a pastor is to see people leave. But let me tell you right now, when someone leaves, you've got to just keep on moving with what God's given. You've got to keep on advancing. Amen? You think God is up in heaven freaking out? Oh, gosh, am I still God? When people left Jesus, Jesus, he just kept on moving. In Matthew 7, verse 13, Jesus said, Heaven can be entered only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide enough for all the multitudes who choose its easy way. It's easy to go to hell. Takes no effort to go to hell. But let me tell you, heaven is a narrow path. That's what Jesus said. And he said, the gateway to life is small and the road is narrow and only a few find it. Aren't you glad that you found the path to eternal life? I'm so glad, man. When I was 15 years old, my friends and I used to sing, I'm on a highway to hell. Walk down the street, I'm on a highway to hell. Thought we're going to have a big party in hell. Then I found out what hell is like. I definitely don't want to go there. There's no party there. A few verses later in Matthew 7 verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, we perform miracles in your name, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Can you handle that? I'm leaving tonight, so that's okay. I don't mind if you get mad with me. I love you so much to preach the truth to you. The scripture says that I'm called to always be ready in season, out of season, to preach the gospel and to reprove, to rebuke and to exhort. When you hear the word of God, it should exhort you, correct you, sometimes rebuke you. If you only ever hear messages that are encouraging you, you're not hearing really the word of God. Because the word of God will challenge you and encourage you. So the writer in Hebrews says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift from it. And I believe the Lord is saying to us in this hour, I need you to be paying much closer attention to the things that you've heard, lest you drift from this great salvation. I want to pay attention to what I've heard, things I heard 42 years ago. I still need to hear those things today. Let's drift. Amen. The word drift means a continuous, slow movement from one place to another or to be carried slowly by a current of water. Now, you know, I've done some scuba diving in Florida, and we have some real strong currents. And so when you go out scuba diving, you go out on a boat, and uh, they'll put down the anchor... And then they'll put markers in the water because when you're scuba diving, you can't even see the boat. So you've got to have the markers so you don't drift away because scuba divers have drowned because they, 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 they drifted too far from the boat. So you've got to keep checking those markers. I keep checking them. Make sure I don't get too far away so that I don't drift too far away. And let me tell you, We've got to keep checking our markers because it's easy to drift with the current. And the world that we live in has currents. And Satan is called the God of this world. And the Bible says the whole world is under his control. In 1 John 5 verse 19, we know we are children of God. And that all the rest of the world is under Satan's power and control. So, you know, as Christians, really, we are swimming upstream. We're going in another direction. We like the salmon. We're going upstream, and the world's all going downstream. And all you've got to do to drift and flow with the current of the world is just do nothing, and you'll just float along with the current of this world. But some of us think, well, Pastor Steve, I'm never going to drift away. I mean, I'm not out there, you know, doing drugs or sleeping around. Let me tell you, all you have to do to drift is nothing. You don't have to do something bad or some bad sin. More often than not, Christians end up drifting, not because of the things they do, but because of the things they stop doing. I believe the Lord is saying to us today, check your markers. It is astonishing to me how many Christians drifted during covid and churches closed down. I mean, never happened in history. It never ever happened where the church closed for twelve months. There were churches closed twelve. Some of them had no option. I understand. We never closed one Sunday. People were telling me you should close. They're going to arrest you. Come on, I'd love that. I would love that. I'd get to church. And there'd be newspaper reporters waiting. New York Times, Wall Street Journal, CBS News, some French newspaper, Canadian newspaper. They all got the same question. Why are you still open? There are only seven churches in Palm Beach County that stayed open. They want to know why you stay open. I said, well, just go up half a mile. You'll find Home Depot. It is packed out with people, parking lots packed out with people. Right next door to that is Walmart. They're open. That's why we're open. And I thought they were going to come arrest me. But then they arrested Rodney Howard Brown. And then, a, you know, a few days later, they ended up dropping all the charges. The, the governor, Santos came out two days after Rodney's address and said, listen, church is an essential business. That was the end of it. Now, we had a lot of people that stopped coming, but I said, man, if I'm going to be here preaching online, I'm just going to open it up to whoever wants to come. Exactly. About 50% of the people stopped coming. It took us a while to get them back. But, you know, let me tell you, people that amazed me, Christians, how scared they are of dying. They are so afraid of dying. Listen, you are going to die. None of us getting out of this alive. You, you are going to die. It's going to happen. The question and issue is not if you're gonna die, it's are you gonna to live to fulfill God's plan and God's purpose and his destiny for your life? Amen. In Proverbs 3:21, it says, My child, never drift off course from these two goals for your life: to walk in wisdom and to discover your purpose. Don't let anything cause you to drift. From the purpose that God has given for your life. We've got to make sure we don't drift because let me tell you, it can happen slowly without even realizing it. Especially if you fall asleep. I read about one lady, she fell asleep on a floaty. She drifted seven miles out in the ocean. The Coast Guard had to come rescue her. She was lying asleep on her floaty seven miles out. Well, let me tell you, there's some Christians that are spiritually sleeping and they're on the floaty out there, miles out. In Ephesians 5, verse 14, the Bible says, that is is why God says in the Scriptures, Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead. Christ shall give you light. Be careful how you live. These are difficult days. Don't live like fools. Be like those who are wise. Tell your neighbor, be be wise. Make the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. The Passion Bible says take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for His purposes. The Bible says don't live like fools. Live like those who are wise. It reminds me of a parable Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25 about 10 bridesmaids or 10 virgins. And it says five of them were wise and the five of them were foolish. Now why were five wise? Because they were ready, they were prepared, they had oil. And when the bridegroom was delayed and suddenly... When he, re- when he when he when uh, he returned, the five wise who were ready prepared, they went into the marriage feast. But then, when the five foolish virgins tried to enter the marriage feast, let us in, the bridegroom said, "Go away! I don't know you." And remember, Jesus said, "Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven; shall enter that marriage feast." And Jesus concludes that parable about the wise. Bridesmaids, or the, or the five virgin, wise versions and the five foolish ones, by saying this in Matthew twenty five thirteen. So stay awake and be prepared, for you don't know the day or the hour of my return. I tell you what, I believe it's soon, of his return. So we got to stay awake, we got to be prepared. So a lot of Christians are asleep, they are not. If Jesus returned tomorrow, they're not ready. They're not prepared. Say amen. amen. We've got to pay much closer attention to what we've heard so we do not drift away. We've got to check our markers to make sure we're not drifting. So I want to give you a few markers to check in your life. In 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, I think this is such a powerful scripture from the Message Bible. It says, test yourselves. Make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. Today, we're giving ourselves a checkup. We're examining our heart and giving ourselves a checkup. It goes on, it says, You need first hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out, and if you fail the test, do something about it. If you fail the test, you check your markers, you test yourself, and you, you, you're failing in an area, do something about it. That's what we're going to do today. What are the markers we can check to make sure we're not drifting? Wanna, let me share a few things with you. Number one, first sign that you're drifting is if you feel apathetic. And ap- apathy means a lack of interest or a lack of enthusiasm. If you're not as enthusiastic about the Lord and the things of God and going to church and serving in church that's a sign you've drifted Jesus said in Revelation 2 verse 4 I have this against you you've left your first love and the the message bible said you walked away from your first love you could say you drifted away you drifted from your first love what do you do the next verse verse 5 remember from where you've fallen repent which means change your direction, change your mind, and do the first works. In other words, the first things that you did when you were on fire and enthusiastic, do those same things now. And you know what? I really believe that is such a big secret with Apostle Theo and Dr. Bibb. because they keep on doing the things that they always did. They don't drift. keep on praying, keep on studying the Bible, keep on standing in faith, keep on doing those same things. Amen. If you feel apathetic, do something about it. Repent. Change your mind. Get back to doing the things you did when you first got saved. Get your fire back. Get your enthusiasm. You can rekindle that flame. Number two, a second sign that you're, that you're drifting is if you stop praying. The Bible says, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, never stop praying. Prayer should be a lifestyle. Jesus prayed a lot. It always blesses me to see the amount of times there's, there's more than 36 scriptures in the Gospels that reference Jesus praying. He'd get up early when everyone was sleeping, he'd pray. When they would go to bed at night, he'd pray. Sometimes he'd pray all night long. He'd draw himself aside and get away with his father and pray. Three o'clock in the morning, he comes walking on the water because he's been praying. I mean, this is Jesus' lifestyle. If Jesus, the Son of God, the one without sin, the creator of heaven and earth, if he needed to pray so much, how can we think that we can go through this life and never pray? Prayer needs to be a lifestyle. When you wake up in the morning, good morning, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you you guide me. Thank you that you're with me. You protect me. All through the day as you go into business meeting. thank you, Lord, that you're guiding me. You're giving me favor. You're helping me when you go to bed at night. Lord, thank you for this day. It's like a whole, it's a lifestyle. And then you also need to draw aside and get in your, shut the door and get in a secret place and spend quality time with the Lord. Can you say Amen. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4, the Bible says, The one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual progress. Do you know praying in tongues will cause you to advance in your spiritual progress? I have noticed people that, that give full to the Holy Spirit and they make it a daily, a part of their day. They pray in tongues every day. I see those people, they just seem to shoot past everybody else. They just seem to advance. They grow really fast. Because there's something that happens. When you pray in tongues, that builds you and strengthens you and causes you to advance. If you're not spending time with the Lord like you used to, get back to it. Let me tell you, easy way, start fasting. Just stop eating and start praying. In a week, you'll be right back to where you were. It's not hard to do. That's right. Number three, you know you're drifting if God's word is no longer first in your life. In Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with, all, with your entire being, and all your might. And these words, which I'm commanding you this day, shall be first in your own mind and heart. Do you know that God wants His word to be first in our life. If God's word says it, that settles it, man. I believe what God's word says. Jesus said in Luke six forty six, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? If we don't do what the word of God says, then Jesus really isn't Lord. We are. In Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus said, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You can't live successfully as a believer without God's word. In Job 23 verse 12, he said, I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. God's word is more important to me than, my, than eating food. I'm not saying you shouldn't eat food. Of course you should. But the word of God should be so much more important Some of us wouldn't even think going a day without food, but we'll go days and days and days without reading the Bible. Say amen, somebody. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet, a light for my path. The Passion Bible says, your word guides my choices and my decisions. Do you know that our choices and decisions should be guided by God's word? Right? Right? Psalm 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, all His messengers of power, for you are His mighty heroes who listen intently to the voice of His word and do it. Do you know who God says is His hero? Those who listen to His word and do what it says. God says, you my hero. I read this yesterday and I was praying And Psalm 106, verse 3 says, the happiest one on earth is the one who keeps your word. Do you know that living your life by the word of God will make you happy? It will bring happiness to you. Happy is the one who listens and does his word. The word of God is what feeds your spirit. It helps you make the right choices and decisions. It reveals God's will for your life. You'll never really know God without knowing his word but some Christians, they look more to self-help books than they do to the Word of God. Now, There's nothing wrong with self-help books, but it doesn't even compare to the Word of God. Amen. Number four, you know that you may be drifting if you don't attend church every Sunday. And all those sitting in church shouted out, Hebrews 10, verse 25 says, This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. That means Jesus' return. Now, remember, during the time that that was written, Christians were being thrown in prison, beaten up, and even killed for gathering in the name and preaching in the name of Jesus. Yet apparently, there was something so significant and important about gathering for church that the writer to the Hebrews said, this is not the time to pull away. In other words, it is worth risking your life. Now, none of us risked our lives, even though you drove on the 1604. Under construction, I felt like I was taking a little risk. Gosh, is that do you feel the same way driving on that with all the construction? Anyway, praise the Lord, we made it here. Recently, I had someone tell me they stopped coming to church for a while, and I called them and they said, Oh, Pastor Steve, my faith is just as strong. It, I didn't think it's made any difference for me stop coming to church. I thought, well, you must be smarter than God. He didn't know that. Let me tell you, you may not notice it the first week, the second week, the third week, but eventually you'll notice a huge difference in your life when you stop coming, You start drifting away from God, you'll notice a big difference in your life. And the, 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 the thing about not attending church and missing church is eventually you don't miss church. Number five, you know that you may be drifting when you stop reaching lost people and you don't really have a passion or you don't really care about lost people going to hell, then you know you're drifting. In Proverbs 11 verse 30, it says, the one who wins souls is wise. So what's the one who doesn't? Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, you, say that means me, you are to go in all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. He said in Matthew 28, verse 19, go and make disciples of all the nations. Let me ask you, how many people are you discipling right now? Or who are you discipling? Right now. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. Because I don't want to embarrass anybody. Let me ask you another question. Who have you ever discipled in your life? Because the sad reality is that most Christians have never discipled anyone. And every one of us is called to do it. It's not that hard. When Apostle Theo got saved at 23 years old. I think he led 75 of his friends to the Lord and started discipling them. He'd just invite them over to his house. And he'd play a a, a, a Kenneth Hagen cassette or reel-to-reel tape. And they'd just sit and listen. His brother Henry told me that when Apostle Theo first got saved, he was so on fire that he came over to visit you and you put on a Jimmy Swaggart LP. (laughs) It was a preaching LP. And made him listen to the whole thing. He didn't want to listen. And then Henry said, well, I've got to go. And, and, And Apostle Theo said, no, 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 you've got to listen to side two. And he turned it over, and he made him listen, and he got saved that day, and his life changed that day, and he's been in ministry for years and years and years. Let me tell you, it's not hard to disciple someone. God will help you. All you've got to do is share what you've learned. You don't have to know everything. you just got to be willing to open your mouth and share what God shared with you. We all should be making disciples. Amen. Somebody say, this year, say, this year I'm making disciples. This year, I'm going to disciple somebody. The Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians 5.18, he said, God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Say God's given me the task. Really it's a privilege of reconciling people. In 1 Corinthians 9:22, the apostle Paul, he said, I've become all things to all men that I may that I might by all means, at all costs, and in any and every way save some, by winning them to faith in Jesus. Now I can't save them all, but I'm going to do everything I can to save as many as I can. Amen. Acts 20, verse 22, the Apostle Paul, he said, My life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Paul said, if I don't use my life to tell people about the wonderful grace of God, my life is worth nothing. He considered his life as worthless unless he was doing what God called us to do, to share this wonderful gospel. Amen. amen. Imagine you never had Jesus in your life. I can't even imagine living without the Lord. And there are millions and millions of people all around this country that are living without Jesus. And they need him. Can you say amen? amen. Listen to this Proverbs 24, verse 11. It says, Go and rescue the perishing, be their savior. Why would you stand back and watch them stagger to their death? Why would you say, It's none of my business? The one who knows you completely and judges your every motive is also the keeper of your souls. And not just yours. He sees through your excuses. And he holds you responsible for failing to help those whose lives are threatened. Let me tell you, we all make excuses of why we didn't reach out to that one and why we didn't. Our excuses are not going to hold up when we stand before the Lord. The Bible says we are to go and rescue. People around us are perishing. And God's called us to reach them. When is the last time you told someone about Jesus? When is the last time you told someone about how good God's been to you? What the Lord's done in your life? When's the last time you shared your testimony? Your testimony is real easy. The Bible says always be ready to explain the hope that is within you. Your testimony is real easy. Your testimony is, what was your life like before you received Jesus? How did you receive Jesus? And what's your life like now? That's your testimony. And nobody can argue with your testimony. Nobody can argue with your story. They can't say that. That's not true. They may try and argue the gospel, but they can't argue with your story. When's the last time you just invited someone to come to church? How many have invited someone to come today? It gets real quiet when you talk like this. Real quiet. I would rather you got a little quiet. I'm here to shake you up today. Because I'd rather you got a little quiet and think about it and receive it, say, I'm going to do something about it, than not say anything. Amen? Amen. I'm determined. Now, our theme for this year, we're on a mission. We're on a mission to make disciples, We're on a mission to win the lost. And when you're on fire for God, you can't help but tell other people about him.